When Sophia learns her friend has been sent to a care facility that makes Shady Pines look like the Ritz-Carlton, she goes into action. But helping a friend who needs to be taken care of takes more than goodwill. Will Lillian become a permanent resident on Richmond Street? Will Rose get arrested for adult napping? Will Blanche's boobies become bigger, bouncier, and more bountiful? All of that and more in today's episode, Sophia's Choice. Thank you for the friendship. We've come so far and traveled wide. Oh, you're my best friends. I could never lie. I love when we party, dance, and sing. And laugh just doing our things. No matter the mysteries that come and go. Today's title is inspired by the 1982 film based off a 1979 novel, Sophie's Choice. In the story, Sophie, played by Meryl Streep in the movie, is going through life, living, laughing, loving, but she harbors a dark secret from years past. I've actually never seen it. It was always kind of like an urban legend or something similar to When a Stranger Calls. I knew the premise, it sounded awful, and I just didn't have it in me to watch. I have seen the scene because of, you know, award shows and the like. Coco, I'm curious, have you ever seen Sophie's Choice? No, thank you. I have not. (laughs) I've seen that that scene, the choice scene, but uh, no, I don't want it. Yeah. I was actually surprised when I learned years ago that that scene is just one moment. I had always thought, what my preconceived idea of the film was that it was all about that moment you know, almost building up to it or that it dragged on for a long time. Not that it happened and then she went on with her life and then people learned of it happening, which is apparently what the film is. Spoilers. (laughs) I didn't spoil anything. I didn't even say what the choice was. It's her children. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I feel like it has something to do with her having a lover or something. and Which I believe is Kevin Klein. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Fun facts abound. (laughs) Who knew? Sophie's Choice. Check it out. Sophie. How can anyone imagine that he knows her? Beyond the innocent, the romantic, the sensual, and the unthinkable, there are secrets we have yet to imagine. One of them is Sophie's Choice. Sitting at the kitchen table on this beautiful morning is Rose in her all-pink suit and Dorothy wearing her black and purple sweater over a white turtleneck. You know, pointing out all of the outfits for those who don't remember or to paint the whole picture or for those with vision impairments, I have realized just how hot they dress for Miami. So many layers and so many heavy fabrics. Yeesh. The ladies aren't up to much. They're just going through catalogs and the mail. But things are about to get much more exciting when a true golden girl, Blanche, in cream pants and a blouse covered with a gold blazer, comes walking in. She can't wait to tell them about the bonus she was given from the museum. The girls are happy for her, but only so happy. It's not like they got a bonus. 
Even though she just got the money, Blanche has it spent in her mind. With her eyes shimmering as brightly as her gold earrings, she tells the girls she's getting a boob job. The first silicone breasts were implanted in the late 1960s, the concern back then being the material, which led doctors to believe that there would be about a 50% rupture rate. Yikes! The National Library of Medicine says that by the late 1980s, the FDA required implants to have better protections, and in Brazil, a polyurethane model was created. Fun fact, in 2022, breast augmentation was the most popular surgery for women, with 2.2 million of them being done that year. And I appreciate how on brand that is for pairs of boobs in 2022, 2.2 million for two boobs. I love that Brazil is always representing that. They're like, we're going to figure this out. We've (laughs) got to figure this out. We need the booties to pop. (laughs) And And not the boobies. boobies. Oh, yeah, no popping. No (laughs) popping. Yeah, they're like, those butt cheeks. Hey, guys, that's what our science is, to be ahead of the curve and to make all the curves. Heyo. Bless you. Yeah, the the dean of that college is Sir (laughs) Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> New reference. <laughs> Wanting to be supportive of their friend, Dorothy and Rose keep surprised smiles on their faces while making sure Blanche isn't pranking them. Oh, and she isn't. Not only can she now afford it, but bigger boobs are back in style. Question from the audience here. Um, in a few years when boobs aren't trending, what are you going to do with them? Blanche is so set on the idea, she already has a doctor in mind for the procedure. She considers him the Picasso of puppies, and she can't wait. Since Picasso was a surrealist, Dorothy hopes he doesn't accidentally put one of her dirty pillows on her forehead. I don't know about you, Coco, but I kind of always forget that Picasso was not a Renaissance painter or a Ninja Turtle. It was not Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Picasso, because he actually died in 1973. Like, he should have been friends with Vincent Van Gogh or something. Yeah. I know. And Claude Monet, whenever the hell that was. Great work, though. Did they even know each other? Is he Dutch? Who knows? But that always blows my mind. It's like, oh, it's a Picasso. It's like, oh, my gosh, he only died a few years before Golden Girls started. That's weird. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's weird. Did you say 73? Yeah. Wild. Oh, my God. It's been 50 years. 51 now. Holy time passing. (laughs) After some giggles, Blanche gets up, leaving Rose and Dorothy to make a face to each other that says, okay, our friend seems to be happy, no matter how unexpected all of that was. Joining them for the day, Sophia has arrived and wants to know what's shaken. Rose tells her it's Blanche's boobies that are shaking, or at least they will be once she... When Rose's hands go up to show off the size of Blanche's upcoming bazoombas, Dorothy puts a stop to it. Curious, Dorothy asks where her mother, who is dressed in a teal dress and cardigan combo, has been all morning. Sophia just so happened to be at her favorite place, Shady Pines. Not to reminisce, but to visit her friend Lillian. Dorothy's question regarding the dreaded SP is surprising to Sophia. She didn't think her beloved daughter would remember the retirement home she dumped her at, which had all of the charm of the Sing Sing prison. Sing Sing, formerly known as Ossining Correctional Facility, is in New York, just 30 miles north of the city. 
It's currently home to 1,700 maximum security inmates. Besides Osinning having Sing in the name, the nickname also came from the Sint-Sink tribe whose land was taken then used to build the prison. According to Allison Griffith's essay, A Portal to the Outside World, Motion Pictures in the Penitentiary, Sing Sing did have movie nights. It was also used for many film locations. In 1929, a new block was built, and those housed there had their screenings go from nightly to just two nights a week. Those on the older block still got nightly movies as the cells were so small and unsanitary, getting the inmates out of the space was good. The movies were brought in by partnering with the local theater, so the inmates got to watch two first-run feature films, a newsreel, and shorts, unlike the inmates at Shady Pines. To answer Rose's question, the visit with Lillian was not a success. Lillian wasn't in her bed when Sophia got there. Hearing the name, Blanche is reminded that she forgot something important. Blanche was so busy being lost in her lusty lifesavers, she forgot to give a message to Sophia about Lillian. Gladys, who is still at Shady Pines, reported that Lillian was taken to Sunny Pastures, another home that is even worse than Shady Pines. It's such a dump being sent there is as scary to an elderly person as being unable to open the childproof lid on the anti-diarrheal medicine, Kaopectate. While Dorothy and the rest of the girls try to comfort Sophia, she is even more concerned about Lillian than she was before. She knows that Sunny Pastures is where you're sent if you're too poor for Shady Pines, so she has to do something. The first step, going to Sunny Pastures to check on her. To help her distraught mother, Dorothy offers to take her to SP. With a delicate voice, Sophia asks that Dorothy hold her hand the entire time that they're there. Not because she's scared, but she wants to make sure Dorothy's hands are occupied so she can't snatch up any paperwork about placing her there. Later that day, Rose is sitting on the couch enjoying her afternoon when Blanche comes in and needs her help. She went to a plastic surgeon and now has an array of photos that she needs to go through in order to pick the perfect pair of perkies. Without warning her dear, naive friend, Blanche lays out a sprawl of photos that would make Hugh Hefner blush. It's a bunch of topless women! Clearly Rose isn't fully understanding the whole process of getting a boob job. Illustrating just how confusing this is for Rose, Blanche shows her the pair that she really likes the look of, but Rose isn't sure if black is the best way to go. Getting more specific, Blanche points out that she's looking at the photos for the shape, not the color. Not only are the breasts in that photo regal, refined, and round, but because the doctor overordered the silicone size, they're half off. All of this has Rose wondering if this is a silly choice for Blanche to make. As an example, Rose shares that she developed early, leaving the boys interested in her body and not her mind. Hard to believe, right? This leaves Rose wondering why Blanche needs to alter her body when she already has men at her feet because of her zest, her zhuzh, but not necessarily her zumbas. As Rose sees it, Blanche can do all she wants with her body, but the men won't care about her cans, especially if Rose is around. The Petrillo women are back from sunny pastures and are clearly upset. Just as Sophia said, the facility was a nightmare. The floors were dirty. There were rodents. They only had one blanket to share between dozens of clients. It was inhumane. Although, if it was located in Sicily, it would have been celebrated as a barely decent motel. Dorothy calls out Sophia for being colorful again, but she's not that wrong. It really was awful. 
for Rose, this and so many other things brings up questions. Sophia also has questions. Questions like, why can't American families treat their elders the way families do in Japan, with children taking care of their senior family members? Even today, the country is working on expanding medical accessibility and transportation to the elderly living outside of the big cities. She wonders, why does this, being placed in a home, happen when we age? She also wonders, why are there a bunch of pictures of titties on the table? For Rose, this and so many other things bring up questions. Now that everyone is fully distracted by the pictures, Blanche tells her that the photos are hers. This comes as no surprise to Sophia. Getting back to Lillian, she has a plan. With the help of the girls, she wants to be there for Lillian as much as possible, so she'll need them to give her rides and help when she needs it, which they all emphatically agree to. After her long day, Dorothy is ready for dinner, so she heads to the kitchen. Inspecting the nitpicks as she passes the table, she realizes that, like the head statues at Haunted Mansion, they seem to follow her as she walks. Ready for dinner themselves, the girls follow Dorothy and also watch the pictures as they too are followed. Or is it your imagination, hmm? Ooh, we're at a new location which looks like a very old Victorian-style home. It seems okay from the outside, and even once Sophia and Rose get in the door of Sunny Pastures, Rose thinks it seems livable. Experienced, Sophia tells her to wait it out. You have to get into it further to realize just how crappy it is like the 1978 novel War and Remembrance. It was a sequel to the 1971 novel The Winds of War. In 1988, War and Remembrance was turned into a miniseries. I'm not sure if it was the book or the film that Sophia was referring to as it getting worse the further you got into it, but here's the promo for the ABC series, which does seem like it would be tough to get through. War and Remembrance sweeps back the pages of history, bringing alive turmoil, the tragedy, the glory, the horror of a world at war. I am this close to winning the war. Fuhrer, you lost it when you declared war on America. When an orderly comes down the stairs, he tells the girls to skedaddle as visiting hours are over. Rose understands and starts to leave, but Sophia stops her. They aren't visiting. They're checking it out as a possible home for, um, their mother. Leaving the orderly confused as to how they could possibly be sisters. The orderly is played by Mark Morocco in his first role, which would be followed only by appearances in The Resident, Side Order of Life, and Starry Night. And he doesn't know what to make of Sophia's story, that their story is a long story, and that instead of her telling it, he'd be better off watching Roman Polanski's 1974 film Chinatown, starring Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway. I'm not really sure what early 20th century water disputes in Southern California have to do with her and Rose being sisters, but it worked. With a shake of the head, the orderly leaves them alone. Coco, you're the film expert. Do you understand this reference or why it's a good joke yes spoilers for chinatown should i take my headphones off i've never seen it oh well it's a huge (laughs) reveal in the movie yeah so okay so we shouldn't oh you know basically i won't say what it is but essentially that that they're that 
people you wouldn't expect are related. Oh, is that's the best way to say that. It's oh. it's a it's wow. Okay. It's not cool because I think Jack Nicholson's slapping her across the face when it happens. But oh, that's great. Uh, Fade away is great. Oh, you know how he does. He's <laughs> back in the day. You could slap a broad around. She's my daughter. I said I want the truth. All of this has Rose confused as to what they're actually doing there. So Sophia lets her in on a little secret. They're not going to visit Lillian. They're going to take her home. This leaves Rose in shock. That's not what she signed up to do when offering to help Sophia. And now she's worried they're going to get in trouble. Sophia isn't concerned about that. She's concerned about her friend and she wants to bust her out. With some begging, Rose agrees to help. The plan is that Sophia will be the distraction, keeping the staff busy while Rose goes to the end of the hallway and gets Lillian. Coming down the stairs of the reverse all-in-the-family home is John Porter, the head of admissions. Fun fact, for some reason, this character is listed as John Gale on the IMDb page. Either way, it's Stanley Ullman who's playing John. This was also his first gig before going on to appear in AP Bio, Transparent, Growing Up Fisher, Listen to Grandpa, The Brothers Sinclair, The Sarah Silverman Program, Better Off Ted, Melvin Goes to Dinner, Night Court, Mr. Show, and The Office, where he played Will Ferrell's barber, Reggie. I love it, Michael. This is Reggie. Hello. He's the number one Yelp-reviewed shaver in Scranton. It's not even close. As John introduces himself and attempts to make the sale, Sophia goes into distraction mode. The man who appears to work all hours is surprised to hear Sophia wants to check in her mother. The man who appears to be working all hours is surprised to hear Sophia wants to check her mother in. Of course, she sees the opportunity to be sarcastic, saying, check her in. No, let's talk about her plate collection. Getting to the details, she shares that her mother is uh, 125 years old. This news leaves poorly dressed John surprised. He doesn't care how old the lady is or that she won't put her yogurt down. He's happy to intake a new client. While he goes off to get the papers from upstairs, he calls at his office, but I think given the hour and his clothes, he's also boarding there. Just in time, Rose comes from around the corner with an elderly woman in her nightgown and shawl. Getting a look at her, Sophia tells Rose she's grabbed the wrong gal. But this lady said she was Lillian. In her own defense, it's not like she's in an elderly care facility because she's good with memory or names. That's a good point. Playing the fraudulent Lillian is Margaret Wheeler. She also appeared in Mystery Men, Clueless, the TV show, Hammer Slammer and Slade, They Came from Outer Space, Mr. Belvedere, Harlem Knights, Punky Brewster, Our House, Valerie, Can You Feel Me Dancing, Too Close for Comfort, Highway to Heaven, Alice, Lottery, The Winter of Our Discontent, Twilight Zone, The Movie, Little House on the Prairie, Trapper John, M.D., The Jeffersons, Alice, Three's Company, White House, Madness, The Brotherhood of Satan, The Doris Day Show, and The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Sophia sends Rose to dump off her stolen, incorrect friend and to bring back Lillian. Just as they disappear down the hall, John is back to fill out paperwork. First, he'll need her name. That's an easy one. Sophia P. Remembering she's kind of breaking the law and shouldn't use her real name, she adds Hawkins. Sophia P. Hawkins. The P is not silent. As the man gets background on Sophia's mother, she seizes the opportunity to have John picture it. Sicily, 1900. Her mother started her fateful journey across the Atlantic for the New World. John laughs off the confusion, getting specific to the medical history. 
Sophia makes a good point, though. There certainly had to have been some medical issues developed on a ship like that. Even the higher class group had to deal with scurvy, smallpox, and typhoid. Wanting to get even more specific, John brings Sophia to the now, asking if her 125-year-old mother needs assistance or medical care. Continuing to pull what she can from her behind, Sophia tells him that her mother has a war injury from the USS Maine. On February 15, 1898, the USS Maine was sunk in Cuba's Havana Harbor. Of the 354 crew members on board, 266 were killed when an unexplained explosion sunk the ship. This attack was what led to the U.S. taking aim at Spain, the U.S. naval blockade of Cuba, and the official declaration that started the Spanish-American War. After going on about her mother being a skilled diver and swimmer, saving her own life but ending up with a metal plate in her head that was strong enough to support reception from HBO, it's clear that John is not buying any of it. Sophia doubles down, though, upselling her mother to him, saying that they could just put her in the rec room so everyone could watch the next Mike Tyson boxing match, thanks to her special cable access. John is still in disbelief. Sophia triples down, saying that if this whole story isn't true, her name isn't Sophia Pahawkins. Before John is subjected to any more crap, the phone rings. Waiting for a good time to come out, Rose arrives with her next attempt at Lillian, this time, it's an older woman being pushed in a wheelchair by her presumed husband. The couple isn't listed in the credits, but like the boobs Blanche wants to get, this woman is black. Since Sophia hadn't been specific about the race, she's confused why Rose has brought her ragtime and jazz pianist and composer James Herbert U.B. Blake's parents. Rose has good reason for being frustrated at Sophia's frustration. She's gone through the entire hall and there's no one else. That's when adorable little Lillian in a purple dress and blue housecoat comes down the stairs. We saw Ellen Albertini Dow earlier this season when she played Mrs. Leonard in The Days and Nights of Sophia Pahawkins. At that time, we talked about how she is best known for being the rap and granny from The Wedding Singer. In this episode, she's Lillian. Perhaps she's Lillian Leonard, and we will be seeing her again in season six. Turns out that rapping was formative in her career because here she is being told to rap on in the best musical of all time, Sister Act 2. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, vote to me and I'll set you free. Rap on, sisters, rap on. Lillian is confused as to why Sophia is there, but has no questions when she's told she's being busted out of the joint. Rose does have some questions, like how they'll get out of a place with a bunch of orderlies and John at the front door. With no concern for all of the people she's about to endanger, Sophia goes behind a man in a wheelchair and throws him down the hallway. Oh, boy. Sophia, a wheelchair is an extension of a person's body. You can't just go touching it or pushing them. Her idea does work, though, as she calls out, Runaway wheelchair! The team of men at the door run after him, leaving the ladies with a clear path of escape. We all saw Mac and me. <laughs> the danger of a, of a loose... Of a loose chair. Downhill wheelchair. <laughs> that boy died. <laughs> and here's what that sounded like. 
The next day at the house, we find Rose wearing a green vest, a light peach blouse, and gray slacks at the sink. And boy, is she excited when Blanche comes home from her Tata appointment. Wearing a spectacularly early 90s pant and jacket with random colors strewn across the black fabric atop her bright yellow turtlenecked blouse, Blanche appears to be distraught. She'd been so worked up about the whole thing that she went into the office, threw off her top, and asked the man what he thought of her breasts. And what he thought was that Blanche was in the wrong office, but he would be happy to give her a discount on insurance if she ever wanted it. Coming into the kitchen and bringing the whole mood down is mopey Dorothy. She desperately needs coffee, preferably the same color as her autumnal-inspired blouse. She's upset because of Lillian. Not at Lillian, of course, but because she has a lot of needs which Sophia is attempting to tend to, but in turn, Sophia is left without any sleep or energy. Rose feels terrible. She was the getaway driver and didn't stop Sophia from bringing Lillian home. Dorothy's not upset with her, and to make sure no one else is upset with any of them, like, you know, the law or Lillian's family, Dorothy called Sunny Pastures and said that they had Lillian and she'd be staying with them for a week. When Sophia, in a purplish-blue house dress, comes into the kitchen, she's met with Dorothy's demand to have her sit at the table. As she starts to talk about the issues, Sophia won't hear it. She promises to do as she always does, take care of the girls, make their beds, clean up, and with Lillian, she'll just do it all a little bit more. This is laughable to Blanche, who has never had Sophia make her bed. Well, Sophia has tried, but she just can't get a sheet over the big hairy guys in her bed. After a sly giggle, the conversation comes to an end when Lillian joins them. To get the day started, Sophia offers to make pancakes, which is a confusing offer to Lillian as they had pancakes yesterday. That's when she's reminded that she wasn't at their house yesterday. As Rose offers Lillian a cup of tea, Blanche starts asking her about her experience with the Zigfield Follies. The Zigfield Follies were the original Radio City Rockettes. If you've ever seen a photo or film from 1907 to 1931 featuring iconic, beautiful women dancing provocatively, usually in grand performances involving feathered fans, that's the Zigfield Follies. Zigfeld Follies marks the beginning of a startling new era in the world of entertainment. The Zigfeld Follies is music and magic, laughter, romance, and America's most beautiful girls. The Zigfeld Follies is big beyond all comparison spectacular beyond your most fantastic dreams. It is entertainment unequaled in the history of motion pictures, bringing to this theater the greatest assemblage of celebrated talent ever to appear in one show on stage or screen. Barbara Stanwyck and Dorothy Hale were Zigfield girls, but more impressive are the names of those rejected after auditioning, including Hedda Hopper, Gypsy Rose Lee, Joan Crawford, and Lucille Ball twice. Yes, Lillian was a dancer, a beautiful young woman, a stunner, really. Not much different than Blanche, except she actually had a chest. Dorothy can't help but revel in the moment. It isn't often Blanche is roasted with such precision. Before breakfast, Lillian would like to take a bath. Dorothy is happy to help accommodate her, but Sophia refuses. She wants to help her friend. Blanche is moved by the two of them, how cute they are together. Dorothy assumes the pair she's moved by is her pair of hooters. 
Before Blanche can correct or agree with Dorothy, there's a crash in the living room. When the girls rush in, they find Lillian and Sophia standing over a broken vase. This has upset Lillian, who tries to explain that she doesn't know the house. When she sees Dorothy, she points out that she also doesn't know her. So Dorothy reminds her that they are all friends and they are there to take care of her. Taking control of the situation, Dorothy tells Lillian to go get in the bath and for Sophia to rest. Sophia is defiant, though. She made the choice to bring Lillian there. It's not like it's too tiring or too much for her, like she's just so old. As she's saying all of this, she's quickly laying down on the sofa with a pillow under her head, asking Dorothy to turn off the lights. That evening, Sophia, Dorothy, and Blanche are sitting at the table when Rose joins them. Dorothy takes that as a hint that it's time for her to take over caring for Lillian. In good news, it appears Lillian finally fell asleep, so no one needs to be taking care of her, which Dorothy is extremely grateful for. She hasn't been as exhausted as she is now since her wedding night. And no, Blanche, she wasn't exhausted from the sex. She was exhausted from cleaning up after Stan, who hosted a poker game with his buds. For how tired they all are, it's hard to believe it's only been one day that Lillian has been with them. Dorothy can't believe Sophia put them in this position in the first place. Rose can't believe places like Sunny Pastures exist and don't take care of their patients. Blanche can't believe anyone would put their family member in a home like that. When she was a kid, the old man in town, Ben, would sit on the front porch whittling away. She would always say hi. He would say hi, telling her to stay away from his grandsons. The point of her story is how Ben was as happy as a bloodhound with a bone on a pile of steaks during a hunting trip. Or, after Dorothy asks her to speak English instead of Jethro, she simply says, he was happy. That was until he got older. One day, she went by his house, and Ben wasn't on the porch. No, he didn't die comfortably in his bed. He was sent to prison because he either had sex outside of his marriage, with someone underage, or was selling drugs. A morals charge. Dorothy and all of us are confused as to how that story matters to this situation at all. Contemplating everything being said, Sophia can't help but think of the future. And no, it's not her future she's worried about. It's the future of the three older ladies she spends all of her time with, leaving Dorothy to point out that they will all face the same fate and there isn't anything they can do about it. Before they can worry too much about their own future, they need to worry about Lillian's. So Dorothy has a plan. She's going to go back to Sunny Pastures, find that director, and tear him a new one. She has no problem calling out injustices or facing confrontation. She just needs her mommy to go with her. All of which I very much relate to. Getting to a new building, which is apparently the home of Sunny Pastures Corporation, the ladies make their way into the office of a very flustered man. After hanging up the phone on someone he was not happy with, he mumbles to himself, Problems, problems, problems. The world is nothing but problems. Asking who Dorothy and Sophia are, Sophia softly, and probably inspired by the 1985 worldwide hit song written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, says, We are the world. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones to make a brighter day. So let's start giving. Playing Dan Cummings, the director, is Ron Orbach. Besides the girls, he has been seen on Medium, Numbers, Without a Trace, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Law and Order, Touched by an Angel, Caroline in the City, Ringmaster, Family Matters, The Nanny, Harry and the Hendersons, Tales from the Crypt, Empty Nest, Murphy Brown, La La, and his most famous role as the DMV test giver in Clueless. 
How'd you do? <laughs> well, let's see, shall we? You can't park, you can't switch lanes, you can't make right-hand turns, you've damaged private property, and you almost killed someone. Offhand, I'd say you failed. Supposedly helped by her mother's presence, Dorothy takes a moment to be bothered by what she's said. As Dorothy tries to tell Dan why they are there, the phone rings. Something about a bedpan and frying pan mix-up. <laughs> Not that kind of mix-up. Oh. An ordering mix-up. Remember, he's like, I ordered 50 bedpans, not frying pans. Well, that's much. That's a relief. I forgot (laughs) that line. It's a real relief to know that wasn't that kind. Could you cook Uh, eggs in a a bedpan? Technically, I'm sure. It's just metal. Should we try that? No. (laughs) Before they can start talking, another ring. After directions of where to make a drop, Dan gets back to the conversation. As Dorothy stares him down in silence, he wonders what is going on. She laughs that it appears that when she begins to open her mouth, the phone rings. Cue the phone ringing. Dan tells her to go on. He'll just let it ring. Flash food sighting! Dorothy starts to go on about Lillian and how wonderful she is, but that she needs help, before screaming for him to answer the damn phone. Hanging up on that call, Dan gets back to Dorothy's concerns. Since she has complaints, she can take a complaint form, fill it out, mail it back, and it'll go onto the huge pile already on his desk. Dorothy will not stand for that. Lillian can't wait for paperwork garbage. She needs care now. Dan agrees. Sunny Pastures is paid for by Social Security, but the minimum standards are barely working. The government continues to cut back on subsidies, but they are already running a business that is not making any money. He would love to hear any ideas they have on how to make things better, but they don't have any. Going home, Blanche is excited to hear what she hopes is good news, but the meeting went terribly. Dorothy is devastated that someone could live their life into their 80s or 90s only to be treated like crap in their final years. How can treatment of our elderly be based solely on money? Not only does money make the world go round, Sophia points out, but when you're that old, just standing up too fast can make the world go round. When Rose comes home, she's excited to talk to Lillian about another option. She spent the day driving around to facilities, and she found one that might be perfect. It's not quite as nice as Shady Pines, which is saying something, but the staff cares and everyone seemed to be happy and taken care of. Dorothy is delighted by the news, but of course, there's a catch. Lillian has benefits that will cover the cost of a facility, but for this place, she would need $150 more a month. That might not sound like much, but it's close to $400 in today's money. As Dorothy tantrums at Rose for getting their hopes up, Blanche is staring off into space before she answers the question of who has an extra $150 a month with, I do. No one knows what she's talking about until she says that she can use the $3,600 bonus check to cover the extra expense for two years. She's happy to take the money out of her bosom account and to spend it on something meaningful. Blanche has realized that she's happy with her body and she doesn't have real problems. Rose agrees. Real problems have made Blanche's breasts seem extra small. As they start to celebrate that they've fixed the issue for Lillian, it quickly feels sad. Blanche points out that it's because they know that they've only helped one person and there are so many out there who need help the same way Lillian does. 
They also realize that they are the next ones down the conveyor belt of age, making them the ones that will need help. Joining Dorothy and Blanche on the couch, Rose asks them to promise that they'll stick by each other's sides no matter what, and that if they do end up in a home, they'll go together. Poignantly, Rose is the one who asks what they'll do when there's only one of them left. Sophia jokes that she'll be just fine taking care of herself. In reality, Estelle passed away in 2008, B in 2009, Rue in 2010, and Betty two years ago, almost to the day of this recording, in 2021. So she was the only one left, but she and all of the girls lived beautiful, full, long lives. Coco, first viewing, yes? Yes. I liked the commentary about the medical system Mm -hmm. and uh, the treatment of older people in general. Oh, and I did. I thought the I thought the booby thing was I thought that was a really good uh, way to blend those two stories together. I thought it really worked. I did notice there were different writers on this episode than I'd seen before. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I thought it was really funny. And I really liked that Rose could really well could just really roast uh, Blanche. Like yeah, that. she doesn't have a lot on her often. But that's like that, <laughs> that's that, the but thing. That thing is like definitive. <laughs> yeah. She's got her there. And I, and I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When we were watching, we were saying how it was the same goal, perhaps, of Brother Can You Spare That Jacket? Right. Of making that point or bringing something to light without. Well, having without that song being Brother. Play, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without the song. That that helped a lot. And I really like that they gave Blanche the opportunity to be selfless. Yeah. Because cool. she's so often not. That it was really cool that all of the stories were fully intertwined and they were all working together. So it was that really kind of intimate feeling episode. And then she got to be the hero and she got to say, I don't need to do that. This is a real thing I can actually make a difference with. And that's really cool. Hey, there's an issue here that people aren't being taken care of. And why is it falling on just the families to do that? You know, so sweet that way. Yeah, good app, not great but a lot of good good moments yeah, yeah. I, liked it. I liked it give it a three star out of five yeah when you have a loved one in a dire situation all you want to do is help but sometimes trying your best to help isn't enough and they need more care sadly even though this episode is more than 30 years old the sentiment remains the system that is set up to care for the elderly population just doesn't work care facilities are way too expensive social security covers bupkis and for our generation and later, probably won't exist when we need it. And there just isn't the support needed to help those who are helping others. Blanche's selflessness helped Lily in this situation, but what will they do when Sophia needs more care, or the girls do? This after-school topic was handled so well. They added laughter to a very real and very sad situation while bringing it to the attention of the viewers. We don't know what we'll do when there's only one of us left, So we'll keep talking about it and planning for a variety of outcomes. And in the meantime, we'll look at a variety of boobies. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for being a friend. Be sure to join us next week when we get physical, physical in the rites of spring. That's rude. Oh, that was my laugh. So you're actually rude. Oh, (laughs) shh.
So that's some deep-seated stuff. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> I'm going to let you deal with that on your own. Thank you. Yes, please. I'm not interested in that <laughs> work. <laughs> Sick. 36, 24, 36. Yes. Only if she's 5'3". Is controls that why it's everything. funny? Yeah, I think so. You're like, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm like working or whatever. And it's like, oh, <laughs> baby's sick. I gotta go. Baby had a blowout. <laughs> About to. Uh. That sounds a little crazy, I will say. I understand what you're saying, but it felt crazy to say. That's called proper grammar. Mm. That's why it felt bad in your mouth. <gasps> oh! <laughs> What's listen to grandpa? I don't know. It just sounded fun. It does sound fun. Let me see what it says. <laughs> Midnight run of Paul Revere. Midnight run of Paul Revere. Oh, Revere. Midnight run. Oh, my God. Whoopie's at it again. Back in the habit, Back baby. Back in the habit. Dorothy takes that as her hint that it's time for her to take over killing, killing Lillian. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a twist. What a twist. Always Be My Sisters is written, hosted, and created by Alicia Holland. Produced and edited by Josh McCullough. Always Be My Sisters is a Cascade Media production. You'll always be my